Welcome to the Spirit of Sport. It's been a while. It's been a few weeks. This studio has been going under some uh, renovations, but we are back and we couldn't have asked for a better guest. Now, I want to <laughs> give a quick intro, ladies and gentlemen. This guy here, his name is Davin De Bruin. Am I saying that correct? Well, in Australia, it's De Bruin. In South Africa, it's The Brain. The Brain. Ah, The Brain. The Brain. <laughs> the brain. I'm here with The Brain. Uh, so, a bit of background. We will talk more with him to kind of hear a bit more of his background and his story, but... He's currently working at the Paramount Mission and they are doing some incredible work. And being Christmas Eve tonight, I thought it'd be pretty important to uh, learn more about people that might not be um, doing Christmas as easily as others. And it's so easy to get caught up at Christmas and be surrounded by family, loved ones, food, um, fun, smiles. And then there's a whole other world out there that is actually impacting more and more people every day. Uh, and you're on the front lines. You see that a lot. Um, but firstly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank How's your day? Thanks How are you going? Oh, man, it's it's nuts. This is a, a big week for us. So there's a, a lot on the go, and it's all culminating with our biggest event of the year tomorrow, our, um, yep. our big Christmas lunch. Ooh. Anywhere from 500 to 800 people descending on the mission, and uh, it's going to be crazy, but yeah, loving it. What, how do you guys prepare for that? Is it like who cooks, who... Oh man, it's, it's a lot of people that get involved. It's really the generosity of the community that gets behind it. We, we yep. do it every year. We stopped it for two years, obviously during the COVID. Yep. Um, but it's now become sort of a well-oiled machine that, that we know how to operate. And we've got some amazing supporters and organizations that get behind us that make it possible. But yeah. also a lot of, lot of volunteer power. I, um, I, I remember going there during COVID and it was really weird. It was it was probably quieter than usual. I remember being a bit mm. surprised that I thought people would be struggling. and But I think we're seeing the aftermath now of COVID. Yeah. I feel like the last 12 months, even when we're seeing the effect of what would have happened during COVID. Is that, is, would that be correct? Is it? Yeah, you, you, you're spot on. I think all the impacts of the lockdowns, the isolation, the flow and effect that that's had with people's mental health and yeah. well-being, that was kind of always our concern when we originally saw it happening and mm. you're right now we're seeing the aftermath of it all obviously you had uh, all the payouts that were being provided to people that's all been obviously pulled back now yeah and now people are like sort of cold turkey and really really struggling but also really struggling with that sense of integrating back into society you mm. know we've been so over the last two years conditioned to be isolated and you know social distance and all that stuff that we were yeah we were told about and i've been speaking to a lot of friends in the church community and they you know previously they would be organizing picnics and barbecues yeah. and events where people would be coming in the droads and now they're struggling to get people out to come and join so really yeah man it's it's been it broke some people didn't it yeah <laughs> the it, COVID. it did um <laughs> Yeah. Almost broke me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I felt like I was losing my mind. And you're definitely a people's person too, so you need to be around people. Yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. I'm I'm actually an introvert by really? nature. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk more about that because so am I. And everyone assumes I'm not like I assumed you weren't. Yeah. Um. Everyone. So you as well? I'm an introvert. Yeah, people think obviously I'm on radio. I'm talking, or I'm. Mm. I was so used to being in an environment at Parramatta or playing for the NRL where you'd be in a crowd and you're. Mm. And I've seen you in the crowd as well, and you work the room very well, and you speak well, and. Um, but then I get home and I just love, I, or if I go to a room where I don't know a lot of people, I, I like to find a quiet spot or, and I, I look forward to getting out of there. Hundred, oh um, man, I'm, I'm with you. I say, I, you know, I, I, I invest all my energy when I'm by myself and then yeah. I go and spend it out yeah. with, with people. But my wife knows that when the weekend comes, you know, we've got our, our Saturday Sabbath day and I'm spent. Like, yeah. I get my naps in and it's just like, we completely isolate and it's just time out with the family and yeah. an excuse to say no to everything and everyone. But if mm -hmm. I don't get that. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't yeah. cope during the week. Yeah, my wife's very good too. She, uh, I call it Timmy time. 
<laughs> should, I, should, I, should I sometimes eat? so dodgy. I, I know it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sweet time. <laughs> Gangster. She just knows. I just need some time to recharge. Please just, just let me not think and yeah. just have some time to recharge without noise. And, Come on. Uh, we need it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. But let's, let's, let's get back to the start of the story. Yeah, yeah. When, where they used to call you the brain back in your homeland. Uh, <laughs> well, where'd you grow up? So, South Africa, born and raised. Whereabouts? Um, so, I was born in Cape Town, but moved with the family up to Joburg when I was really young. Yep. So, in the equivalent of like the Bronx. Oh, like see. The real dodgy sides. Well, my wife's from Pretoria, <laughs> which isn't far from Johannesburg. Oh, um, yeah. And I, it's, I, I'm, it's weird because I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Johannesburg or no. Pretoria, but I, I mean, love I'm, Cape Town. Yeah. And it's incredible that they're both the same country. I know. Because Cape Town's probably one of my favorite places in the planet, in the world. Mm. And Pretoria, I try everything I can not to go back. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've got family there, so I still go back a fair bit. But yeah, um, yeah it's so yeah. different. Oh, man, it's worlds apart. You literally, the only reason you'd go to Joburg is because you have to fly in to get to Cape Town. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a tough part of the world to grow up in. And, I, and, you know, because it's all you know, you don't realize that till you actually move. So that's why when I came here, I started to realize just how tough things are. Yeah. Why did you come here? Like, what made you leave? My brother, actually. He married a, an Aussie. And yeah. he moved out this way and he kept saying, come check it out, come check it out. And I kept putting it off. And, and eventually I was like 25. I was like, if I don't travel now, I'm you know, never going to do it. So I said I'd come for a, a one-year holiday. Yeah. And I was also at a stage of life where I was asking the sort of big questions uh, of life and needing to find myself, so to speak. Yeah. I said, well, maybe I can do it in Australia. So I came for a one-year holiday. And, uh, <laughs> you found yourself and you found a wife who happens to be South African. Is that a coincidence? That you, did you meet here or? We met, we met this side. Really? And such a small world because then when I wanted to take her back home to introduce her to family, it turns out we had mutual friends that we were growing oh, up with. I'm it glad was... you said that. I thought you were going to say, it turns out <laughs> we're actually family. We're, she's my cousin. <laughs> Well, at one point, we were actually a bit nervous. We, uh, we did find all the points of connection. It's like, uh, I really hope we're not related. Yeah. Uh, but no, we've, we've squared that away. We don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the past. Uh, oh, that's awesome. So, okay, so you come here, you meet your wife, mm. um, and then you decide to call it home. This is, this is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty early on, like I, I moved in, there was just something about Australia where I just felt like this is this is where I needed to be. Like yeah. this was kind of the next the next stage of the journey for me. And I loved it. Like, you know, we grew up in South Africa with such a fierce rivalry with Australia. Yeah. I often joke, I say the favorite favorite bumper sticker in, in South Africa is, you know, I support South Africa and everyone who plays against yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I'll so see. I had this idea that Australia was, you know, full of Australians and they're not the nicest people because yeah. we just grew up. But I came here and just the people, the culture, the community, I just fell in love with it. There are, I think there are a lot of similarities between mm. South Africa and Australia. They're very friendly people. And, oh, yeah. Um, I, I love South Africans as well. I, I love their... Like, even, <laughs> yeah, you even, married well, one. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, and then even like my Lebanese background and heritage, you know, they we South Africans love their food. They love their pe- yeah. family, they love their friends. And it's very similar to the culture I grew up in as well. So I love being around that environment. They love their meat, yeah. which oh, I uh, am a big supporter of. 100%. And there's a lot of Lebanese in South Africa as well. I grew Is up it? with a lot of Lebanese friends. Really? Yeah. Like I, I, I mentioned the families, the Tawils, and everyone yeah, seems yeah. to, uh, went, to went to a Catholic school. So There's a Tawil that plays for West Tigers. Uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, he scored his first try this year. Ah, oh, power. Uh, Alex Tawil, but he's a Tawil. Um, did you have any background in playing sport back then? Because if, obviously the listeners can't he- see you right now, yeah. but... You got the body, you got the strap and body. <laughs> you look like you look like someone that has played some kind of sport. What was your background? Oh man, I loved I loved my sport. Played everything and anything. I almost didn't get through school because I was just always throwing a ball around or doing something. Yeah. Uh, rugby union was my was my sport. 
Yeah. Um, and when I moved to Australia, I actually was playing a fair bit of club rugby as well. Joined uh, Petersham, oh, yeah. was playing for the Petersham boys, did, did two seasons with them. Uh, and then I, I moved over to Mossman and I, I played with the, the Wales oh, for right. a couple, couple seasons as well. Yeah. And then we had a bad, bad game against Balmain where I got a head concussion and a dislocated shoulder <laughs> in oh, the same game. Oh, wow. And uh, I came back for the end of the season, but the body was just like, it, was, it wasn't loving life. So yeah. um, I was like, am I going to be able to throw a ball with my kid one day? I should probably take it easy. No, I play tennis. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's <laughs> my right. go-to sport. I'm actually trying to get my son to play tennis or golf or something. Yeah. Something like I can retire off the back of, but <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't want to. He wants to play footy, unfortunately. I'm like, are you sure? Oh, well, uh, at, least he, at least he wants to pick up the sport. That's a, that's a yeah, good sign. Yeah, it's good. Better than being stuck on the TV all day, which is, um, yeah, he's, he's an active kid, man. He's probably too active. Uh, and it's not from me it's from his lovely, my lovely wife his mom's side yeah um, I, I, I love your story though because your story I, I know I told the listeners you, you now work at the Paramount Mission mm. but you weren't always in that whole not-for-profit space um, nah. so can you tell us a bit more about your background in, in the working environment and how you ended up at Paramount Mission yeah well look you know in a, in a nutshell, like I said, so the, actually my background's in supply chain and logistics. Like that's oh, what I, I yeah. studied at university, did a degree in it, was doing that, moved out here, got employed by uh, one of the big, big corporates, uh, the Woolies Group, yep. um, got sponsored by them, was climbing the corporate ladder, killing it, had everything society said I needed to be happy, successful and fulfilled. Yeah. And a year into moving here, I just felt empty, like life was just meaningless. Um, in hindsight, now I look back, was actually severely depressed. Yeah. Um, and just, but asking the big questions, and so I actually had a big coming to faith moment at that at that point. Uh, I joke, I say, you know, I went to a Catholic school growing up, and my mom had become a born again Pentecostal Christian, so I was like falling asleep at mass on Fridays and then yeah. freaking out at a Pentecostal <laughs> church on Sundays. I thought God was schizophrenic, so I was like, <laughs> you know, you guys do you, I'm gonna do me type thing. Yeah. But then, sort of a year into moving to Oz hitting rock bottom, I was just like, I don't know, I don't know where else to go. I've, I've tried everything. Nothing's working. Yeah. So I, I sort of made a, a faith decision. I said, dear Jesus, as of today, 10 to the first 2012, my life's yours. Do what you want with it. Wow. Um, that led to a radical change very shortly after three months later, I'm resigning from the company that's you know, paying me the six figure salary. Yeah. Uh, that's giving me the visa to actually stay in the country. Oh, so, wow. and, but there was just this call to say, I'm, I'm taking on adventure. I'm going to show you what it means to know me, um, yeah. started a business, uh, experienced the funds of the <laughs> highs and the lows of that, which I know you're well, very what familiar What kind of space with. was that in? I was in the fashion space. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. That. started a, a clothing label. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, which It's a hard space to get into that. Oh, man. Yeah, a lot of people can't do it. I, exactly. Yeah. Everyone on their dogs like, yeah, wants yeah. to start, to start a fashion label, but it was, you know, like in, in the entrepreneur space, they say the big thing is just take, take that first step. Like yep. that's the biggest part. But that set me off on the... The journey, but whilst that was happening, there was also this faith question that I was now wrestling and working through. I was like, what is this thing that I've dedicated my life to? And it's absolutely changed me. So I was like, you know, wanting to learn more about it. Mm. And I was asking the big questions. And um, one of the things that really like sat with me was, what does it mean to know God? Like this idea, you see it uh, quite a lot in, in the scriptures. And that's really what drew me. And then one of my, my mentors years later um, he asked me that question and, you know, what does it mean to know God? And I gave the standard answer, you know, reading the Bible, going to church, da, 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 da. And he said, well, what does the word say? So I said, I don't know. I've never seen an explicit passage. Yeah. And he took me to a passage in Jeremiah twenty two sixteen, where Jeremiah is talking to King Shalom and he says, does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? 
yeah. yet he did what was right and just, and so all went well with him. He defended the, co- the cause of the poor and the needy. Wow. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. So this kind of like light bulb moment of knowing God and taking care of people, like just connected, which, you know, it kind of makes sense if you think like, you know, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Yep. We've got little kids, right? Yep. What, we don't want our kids like saying nice things to us. We want them looking after one another and taking yeah. care of each other. So when that connection was made, um, there was this shift in me to want to transition, I guess, whatever gifts I had to using it for those who didn't have a voice, um, speaking on behalf of those and like raising awareness around that. And so that led me down the path, which eventually uh, connected me to working with, with the mission and um, the the amazing work that the organization's doing there. That's that's so cool. That's great to hear the background of how you ended up there. It's, uh, it's, it's really special. And it's a space where, you know, not a lot of people don't even, aren't even aware of the work you guys do, so it's really important. That's why I wanted to get you on the show to understand yeah, it. Appreciate um, it. There's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of listeners today that probably would leave this show more educated in I guess the space that you're in and understanding mm. a bit more how they can help and how they can get involved as well. Mm. And we'll get a bit to that at the end of the show. But um, how do you find? How would you explain your day to day? So what's it like at Pan Mission? What's what does it involve? Yeah. Other, other than I guess feeding people. It's a, it's a good good question, Tim, and it's like my role is like a huge juggle. So the mission's gone through a huge transition over the last few years. We were actually, up until 2021, a mostly government-funded service provider operating you know, all different co- contracts in the mental health space and crisis accommodation across Sydney. Um, and my role then was really focused on connecting with corporate partners, uh, building relationships with supporters and donors um, from a fundraising standpoint. Uh, end of 2021, the Parramatta Mission decided to transition all the government-funded services over to Uniting and just retain the local Parramatta-based community services, uh, of which uh, the the main one is is Meals Plus, which operates out of our community centre there. So that is essentially a drop-in centre for yeah. people experiencing crisis. As you mentioned, the we we do the meals, which is your your breakfast and your lunch Monday to Friday. And that's really just the means that we we have of connecting with with people. You know, when yeah. you when you hit rock bottom, very rarely do you want to go into a service center to get help. Yeah. Um, and that and that's the issue that a lot of services like your Centrelinks and what have you have. But a meal is something that can open someone up to having a conversation and to taking that first step and getting the support they need, which yeah. is what we've found. The mission's been doing it for you know around fifty years now. Um, and so the meal really opens people up. It allows us to build relationship, build trust. Yeah. And then the plus is really all the support services that we work alongside. So we have services like Uniting, Centrelink, Legal Aid, housing that actually come and operate out of our facility. Oh, wow. So we're connecting a person to a person, yeah. not, a, not a building, not somewhere else where yeah. more often than not they won't actually take up the support. Yeah. Um, so that's the program. And then we've, we've got some other things that we've been working on, which, which we're busy launching as well, which is pretty exciting um, around the Elevate program. But my role is really, I guess, working with uh, the team. So we've got guys on the ground who are providing, you know, the basic support. We've got a big volunteer crew. Uh, I work with our volunteer coordinator. Um, I've got a, fundra- a fundraising person and another guy who works with corporates and marketing. But a big part of my role is actually going out into the community. Um, you know, I, I see you at a lot of the, the events and yeah. what have you, and, and that's obviously we've, where we've connected through, you know, the likes of Mario and, and, and the crew. Yep. Um, but, yeah, really building awareness and connection with, with corporates and allowing them to come in and connect 
with the work that we do firsthand. Yeah. Introducing them to to what we do because, like you said, we've been there fifty years and many people have never even heard of us. Yeah. But the thing that I really feel called to is that as much as we serve people in need coming in, there's also people in the buildings around us mm. who are in severe need as well, who are yeah. isolated, who ask like myself, asking the big questions of life. Is this the purpose? Is this the meaning? I would argue there's a lot of those guys in those buildings that probably don't worse off. I know financially they're doing better. But doesn't mean just because they've got money doesn't mean they're doing better than yeah. Bang on. And I find and for any I guess corporates that are listening, the it's a great opportunity for team team bonding as well. Like it's mm. you can I know through just through Mario and some ideas that you guys are talking about, I understand that the corporates come in sometimes and help you guys with the feeding of the homeless. And does that happen? Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. got so our our main program is like what we call sponsored lunch, where up to ten people will come. They'll yep. we do a bit of a morning brief with Paul and raising awareness, and then it's like get your hands dirty, get the place set up, you know, serve the meals, actually connect with people yeah. of the community, hear people's stories, and then afterwards we do a debrief. Yeah, um, and that's pretty transformative because you hear people sharing stories that they wouldn't normally share within yeah. the four walls of that's where awesome. they work. That's and you, cool. you see people like in tears. Yeah. Um, and it's been so great. We've just built a, a great partnership with HSBC. Uh, awesome. I, yeah, yeah. I, I got, I got, um, I got to meet uh, a lot of the, lot of, lot of the crew there and they've, they're around the corner. They head off Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've, they've rec- recently moved, recently moved okay. to, to Paris. So uh, Anthony Shaw, who's the, the CEO, yep. just by chance connected, connected with him. And he's like, he's a incredible man. Uh, what a amazing story! Really? Oh man, what, what's his what's his background? Uh, you don't have to go into detail. Yeah, oh man, like in a nutshell, he was born in the country. Like Australia? parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents had next to nothing, um, and like scraped together to get him into into school and to uni. And then I think he he said he started at I don't know if it was HSBC, but he started in the mail room. Yeah. Um, and then he was like getting people's uh, lunch orders, shining shoes to make extra money. Literally one of those guys who worked his wow. way up to the top. Yeah. But you must see the level of respect he, he commands, um, not through ordering, but just through the way the team. Look at him; he's got such a servant heart. Love that. And he came in, brought his whole executive team, and we've had like nine of their their teams through and going to continue to build on that in 2024 i love that and just on a bit of a tangent i i feel like there's such an old school mentality where people think that if you're a leader you got to be a di- like a dictator kind of thing whereas yeah. and i'm coming from a sports environment where you know if you're a senior player you mm. you almost haze the young kids and you make them feel uncomfortable to the point where they, like, they got to earn your respect yeah and even in the business world there's so much people that think oh, well i finally got to a position of power and now i'm gonna use that power and they, and it's, they lose all the respect that they should have um, but then you talk about those like those servant leaders, and I feel like that's what leadership is supposed to be. And their their staff, their teammates, they like they command a different level of respect, which is come on so much more special and powerful than thinking you're pa- tough. Because and I've seen so many times when they do fall, those those so-called tough leaders, they don't have many people there nah. supporting them when they're out. No one's there to pick. No one's yeah. there to pick them up. It's like it's yeah. almost like good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think you said you said the, the the word there, servant leader. Yeah. Um, the world is is desperate for servant leaders who who want to lift people up and raise people up. And there's people who talk about it, but then there's actually people who do it. And you know, Tony Shaw is one of those guys who. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He, he lives it. Good on him. I love, I love that story. I'd love to meet him one day. Oh man, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm sure you will. He's 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 often he's, he's been coming around, and now he's at the stage where he literally he came and did another one of those events, but he brought a lot of his friends from other oh, cool. organizations yeah, yeah. and corporates. So he's been, he's been such a blessing, blessing to us. And yeah. yeah. And so other than feeding like those, those te- what, how else can people get involved in, in, in sponsor and um, sponsor or give or how can they support? 
Yeah, look, oh, there's a there's a number of ways. I guess you know we all have three things: uh, time, treasure, talent, uh, which is what, what we talk about. So, um, time is you know like from a volunteering standpoint, if there's, there's something you want to get involved with or, or supporting, like most of our our workforce is volunteers. Um, and so there's there's a big reliance on that, which is which is helpful. The treasure, obviously, uh, financially, um, we rely on the community, corporate supporters for support. So if there's a, a call or a feeling to that, we actually you'll dig this. We're getting ready to launch a campaign next year called yeah. the the 300 campaign, yeah. and that's off the back of you know Leonidas. Spider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge yeah. huge 300 fan. Yeah. So off the back of off the back of that, you know, like the the idea of 300 going and holding off an army. We want to do a regular giving campaign with the mission where we want to recruit 300 supporters for $20 a week. Yep. Um, sorry, $20 a month. Yep. That would fund our entire food bill for the mission. Really? For the year. Yeah. I know. Surely, surely that should be an easy one. Well, I mean, that's so it's, and that's the thing. It's like within our space, it's like, how do you make it tangible? How do yeah. you help someone connect? what they're doing, all the support they're providing and, and, and finding like, what's that first step, that easy sort of step. It's like, okay, 20 bucks a month. Yeah, I can, I yeah. can, I can do that. Um, but yeah, there's, so it's going to be all centered around a 300 campaign and really like helping us. Uh, food is our biggest, biggest bull at, yeah. well, outside of people. So if we can have that covered, um, that's a huge help for us. Awesome. Yeah. So there's that side and then the talent. Is that sorry? Is the three hundred up and running yet, or is it? No, we're, we're launching that early next year. All right, so you let me know when you do. So we'll talk about. It. We'll make sure people are aware. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be great. So yeah, we'll, we'll be launching that early next year, and then the talent really, you know, being being a non for profit, like coming from the corporate world, like corporate has so much more to give than just the dollar and just the the volunteer hours. You know, like you've got people like yourself, entrepreneurs, guys who are big thinkers, who have gifts in so many other areas that that's really where I get excited, where I want to be tapping into corporate partners. It's like, how can we, how can we think differently about, um, and I don't like using the word non-for-profit. We want to change that to, you know, profit for purpose. How do we start thinking of charity in more of a business mindset and, and yeah, really doing, doing it better that way. And so that's where like, you know, engaging corporates or people with experience in that space to say, to be mentors or to, you know, potentially serve on a board or the likes um, yeah. would be really helpful as well. That's awesome. But all, all on, you know, through the, through the website, you can connect, connect with us, connect yeah. with us there, reach out. I'm, I'm a big fan of having a coffee and just getting to know people. So if you want to, if you want to have a coffee, I'd love to just catch up. That's always the best place to that's start. That's great. And uh, the one thing I noticed when I was there, I, we, so before you were there, we used to do some stuff with Paramount Eagles where we yeah. used to do the program. Mm. Um, but I was surprised at how many people were there that would just, I know you got a stereotypical view of what you think a homeless person is, but so mm. many people were just ordinary people that have made a few wrong choices, yeah. or sometimes there wasn't even their choices. But a few things went like any. My point is, anyone could be in a position they're in. Yeah. Um, do you see a lot of that where it's just, you know, yeah. it's not always your, your 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 drug addict that you know has 100%. decided that I just want to live this kind of life. It's people that have just gone down the wrong track, and before and you know it, they're, they're homeless. Bang on, and and. Even even that, like you, you, I mean, what was humbling to me is I had that same perspective, that same view, like, you know, drug addict, you've done that to yourself, yeah. bang. And then I started to hear some of the stories and that's where I guess my eyes were really opened through the whole experience. And people often ask, you know, who are the people that you serve? Um, yeah. Who are they? Who are your clients? What do they look like? And I, I say the same thing. It's people just like you and me. Yeah. Um, we've got ex-bank managers. 
people with PhDs, teachers, you know, wow. people that were up here yeah. at one minute and then through either a decision that they made, a poor decision, or something that was done to them, you know, maybe a loss of a job, a relationship breakdown, yep. um, find themselves like at that rock bottom place. And, and more often than not, turning to a vice, yep. not because they want the vice, but just to, how do you cope, you know, with the pressure and the stress? Well, you have a drink. Yeah, yeah. And just take the edge off, right? But then that edge gets a little bit more and you need to, you need to have more to take that edge off. And... And so a lot of these stories you go back and much like how you having conversa a conversation with myself and a lot of guys that come through here, yeah, we've all got a, a story, right? And, yeah. and for some of us, you know, mine could have easily ended up, as I mentioned yeah. way back with me on the street down that path of turning to a vice or something to provide me the means to get through. I turned to faith and that's sent me off on another, another path yeah. by the grace of God. Yeah. But for many people, they don't find that. Um, and so that's the thing we're, we're about there, about reconnecting with people, reminding them that you're made in the image and likeness of God. You have infinite worth, infinite value. You are worth something. Wow, um, that's you, cool. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's probably the most powerful thing we share. Like whenever I go do a talk, I say to people like, how many of you have kids or you know, nephews and nieces? And pretty much everyone puts up their hand. Yep. And I say, how many of you would do absolutely anything for them? And you know, short of dying for them, everyone puts up their hand. And I say... A lot of the people that we serve don't have people that would be putting up their hands for them. Wow. And that's the thing. Like, that is what it means to be rich, to have someone who loves you, who would do anything for you. And a lot of these people, they feel worthless. They've got zero self-worth. They feel like a, you know, and, and society keeps reminding them, you are yeah, worthless. Yeah. You are yeah. just, a, you know, a leech. On the snowball effect, isn't it? It gets, gets worse. Because, and then, yeah, wow. People desperate for, for hope. And yeah. so that's that's really what we're, what we're seeking to kind of carry. And... On a, on a bit of a darker note, have you, have you seen it go? So I remember one of the workers was there was telling me before that a lot of times I have a regular, then eventually that regular would stop coming and they'll mm. find out that that regular is no longer you know, yeah. passed away. Or Does yeah. that happen a lot? Do you see people come and go or is that not as often as... Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that literally today as yeah. part of our, one of our... Um, we've got our festival of Christmas thing that's happening at the moment. Today we had a memorial service. Yeah. for um, guests and clients of ours who've passed over yep. the years. So an opportunity to honor and remember them. Yep. Man, and you just see the names coming up of the people who've, who've come oh. and gone. So, we, I mean, we get a lot of success stories, and that's amazing. Yep. And we celebrate those, and those pump you up and keep you going. Yeah. But today was a very sobering day yep. to also say that you know, there's a lot of people that unfortunately, they're not part of the success story that... Um, they take their life or yeah. something happens and, and yeah, it's, it's living in that tension. How do you, how do you navigate through this time of year? So like I said at the start of the show, it's mm. a festive, happy time of year, Christmas, everyone's in, in holiday mode. How do you go from managing that and creating a, a sort of like kind of a, like a festive, but like you talk about this week is more of a festive week. Mm. How do you go about doing that in an environment where people are really hurting and struggling? Do they enjoy that, the positive and the, the joyful atmosphere? Or do they prefer to... You, everyone mm, go to their level. Or? Mm, oh, mate, and Tim, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head on what we're really seeking to provide at the mission, at, at, and that's why you know support and corporates and you know and organisations is so important because what you have within you, you th there's an energy, yeah. there's you know th th there's a vibe, there's a there's a love, there's a positivity, and people feed off that. Yeah. Now that is so much more powerful than a negative. Yeah. Vibe than yeah. you know it it it, it 
one positive person smashes out yeah. 20 negative people any day of the week. Yeah. And so really what we're trying to, what we look to do is create a community where that is the feeling and the atmosphere in the organization. So yeah, people are coming and they, they, they've fallen on tough times. Yeah. They come in head down, shoulder slouched, you know, face down, but they always leave with a smile. Awesome. Love and that, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, how can we just make one thing go right in your day? Because if we can get you on that, that positive cycle, bang, that's where your chance of, of getting back in your feet and going again. So, and that's where getting people with the right heart and the right attitude into the organization, my team, our yeah. supporters, our partners is really where, where the battle is won. I love that. That's so good. We don't have a lot, long time left, yeah, but quick. Uh, sport. <laughs> well, who's your team? Like, I know you're a South African. You're in Parramatta, Mason. Surely he's got to be connected to Parramatta somewhere. Is it, am I... Why jump in the gun there? So as in, as in my, my NRL team? What's the NRL team? Yeah. It's, it's become the Eels. Eels, okay. Mate, so so when I first came, like, I really wish I'd grown up playing league because I'm a back. Yeah. So league just you looks like... You'd actually go very well. I reckon, like, oh, your body, you'd be, you'd be fine. I would have loved it because it's all running. I mean, I played yeah. fullback in Union, so I just loved running yeah. with the ball and finding gaps and what have you. But um, I've met a lot of the Eels boys along the way. And yeah. we also, like, through Mario and stuff, there's a touch footy... Yeah, yeah, thing yeah. Thing that was happening right. on the yeah, Wednesdays, which I know you're yeah. part of. I uh, got to meet a lot of them there, and just humble, down to earth, family people. Yeah. And I'm like, this is you know, you connect with the team, with the people you identify awesome. with, and you know. So I've become a huge what, Eels fan. Which what is, was your um, rugby club? Not your obviously a Springbok, but what was your rugby club back in South Africa? Did you were you a Blues fan? Uh, a Bulls fan? Oh no, 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 I was a I was a Province boy. Province. Okay. I went for the Stormers. Ah, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. born there, and my dad was a huge Stormers boy. Yeah. So I was I was very close with the, with the Stormers. Although I, I did love the man going to Pretoria, um, to, oh, the, to, to yeah. Loftus to watch a game there. Yeah. Um, have you been? No, nah, I've driven past. I've never been inside. No. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's good. It's electric. It's really steep, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, the sound. The sound is out of this world yeah. but but the, I, I don't think you'll find a more passionate supporter than a Bulls supporter yeah. I think we went to a Bulls Lions game once and my friend wore red and that was a big mistake <laughs> like yeah he got yeah, yeah, this, yeah he walked out with his life luckily and you but, guys have won two two World Cups in a row just <laughs> how, how, how greedy I was, I was hoping you'd bring that up <laughs> just oh, oh man and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I love Sia I'm a big fan of him yes. the biggest heart just and just to see him succeed the way he has and he's a child as well he's like got a oh, childlike spirit about him and um yeah he, he's a believer as well so we we got yeah. to know each other at a conference yeah. in atlanta oh, years ago. Power. and um just so good seeing him succeed and go from strength to strength i think yeah. now he's playing in france somewhere maybe but he's um yeah he's him and his wife are amazing and what a great example once again you're talking about servant leadership like i know a lot of Criticism of servant leadership is like it's wishy-washy. It doesn't work. Yeah. And there you've got Sia. Oh yeah, exactly. Like One of the two best two World Cups, hundred yeah. percent, and, and he he exhibits it. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like such a good guy. And oh man, like I think I aged thirty years over this <laughs> last World Cup I, um, with three one-point wins. This is like not fair. I, I was over in I was over in <laughs> Dallas when it was on, and my KO doesn't work overseas. So I had my <laughs> wife facetiming the TV while I was like, just watching it on my phone. And she was bawling her eyes out when they won. Like oh, she was crying. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I've got to show you the video. My wife was filming me. I didn't realize, like, yeah. just before the final whistle went. Yeah. Because normally when I'm watching, I'm so animated. When we do something good, I'm like, yes, when yeah. we lose, I'm angry. Yeah. But this whole final, I just sat and I didn't say a thing. And then when the final whistle went, I got on my knees and I just bawled. <laughs> and she's, like, sitting there filming me, like. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm not even South African, but I was, like, so emotional by the end of it. Because it was just so, yeah. there was so many 
opportunities for the All Blacks to win that at the end. You're like, okay, they're, they're going to win now. And then they missed the kick. And you're like, okay, oh, they're going to win. And they just had them, they had them, and then they just couldn't finish the, the spring block off. And I'm like, wow. And like, just this amazing fairy tale, right? Three one-point wins. Like, yeah, you yeah, yeah, you couldn't, yeah. You couldn't write that. If someone came with a script to write that yeah. story, you'd be like, no, that's unbelievable. But I think it also gives them more belief as they go on. They start thinking, okay, well, we've done it before. We can do it again. And Do you reckon but, they'll do the third time in oh, Australia? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's Australia's turn. I was going to say, that's another big topic. We're uh, a long way away, Australia. Unfortunately, rugby in Australia isn't what it was when you hated Australia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Geez. But I, I had the utmost respect for yeah. that team. Well, that, that the Larkins and the yeah, Greegans. Yeah, Greg, man, Eels, you guys were unstoppable. Uh, that was amazing back then. I used to, that's the, the age group I grew up watching. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're at the end of the show, mate. Thank you so much for making the time to come in. And we love it when someone comes into the studio because it's Conversations a lot better. Right. What you're doing over at the Paramount Mission, obviously, it's very important, but it's so powerful that the lives that it's impacting. Mm. And they could not have picked a better person than you. you know, everyone loves you. You connect <laughs> well with people. You've got a real heart for it as well. Um, and we just love it. So if any listeners are listening, please go to the Paramount Mission website. Um, support and just keep them in mind. It's Christmas Eve tonight, but just keep in mind that um, people you know, don't have the luxuries that um, you'd assume that they have. You know, people are really hurting this time of year. And I guess the fact that everyone's mm. celebrating with loved ones, they probably feel it even more. So if you can support, that'd be amazing. Davin, the brain, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. And uh, listeners, we'll catch up next time. So Cheers. Thank you, my man. Thank, thank you, everyone. You. Ciao.